The last song was so uh, good and appropriate uh, for <clears throat> our talk. Give myself away so God can uh, use us. I wonder whether that is the ultimate purpose of our spiritual journey. This afternoon, I had time uh, alone uh, with Nolan. I went, uh, Grace and Josh, to go into the discussion. So <clears throat> I took uh, Nolan uh, by myself while you are having uh, discussion. I was just sitting there, very, very nice weather, uh, breeze, and the kind of uh, sound of uh, laughing in the background uh, from group discussions and people talking. Uh, I was sitting there, and then at first I felt a little bit lonely. Uh, uh, I'm by myself while they are having great time of discussion and all that. So I felt a little uncomfortable in the be uh, beginning, and then saw myself, why do I feel lonely? I uh, started getting into the inner uh, journey, in a way, for myself. And then I looked at uh, Nolan, and he was sleeping for about an uh, hour and a half, actually. And then I looked at him uh, almost 30 minutes, just looked at him and reflected, looked at him and reflected. And it's a really best thing to look at for uh, meditation and reflection. And, and how peaceful uh, the boy uh, was. Just sleeping baby, peaceful, no pretension, nothing to worry about, nothing to show off, nothing to prove himself. He was just there, sleeping. And I, it occurred to me, spiritual journey is to be like children. That's what Jesus said. If you are not like child, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. But as we grow up, you know, we come up with all kinds of distorted image about ourselves. That's not the image that is created for me. That is image that we have adopted for myself to protect ourselves, to guard ourselves, to conquer others, to be better than others. So we created very many distorted images about ourselves. Maybe our spiritual journey is to take off one by one of those false images or distorted images that we have put on upon ourselves for our own survival. So that is, spiritual journey is to go back to be like child. And but as an adult, that, as an adult that is very difficult. For no one is easy. He doesn't have to worry about making uh, income. He doesn't have to worry about uh, you know, feeding our family. He doesn't have to uh, worry about people attacking him and all that. 
you know, he's very safe. So it's easy for him, but for an adult, it will be a very, very difficult job to do so. But goal is there. Direction is there. To be a great person is not to be great in the eyes of the world. To be a great person is to be like a child. Simple. Very simple. Appreciating what you have. Always be thankful for what you have. I wonder that is our spiritual, whether our spiritual journey is very pure, pure person, just like child, being pure, without calculating, without manipulating, without showing off, just being pure as you are. That is as simple as that, but that is the most difficult uh, thing to do. This identity is a very, very strange thing. We are struggling with our identity. Who I am? Really who I am? Inner person, who I really am. Not who I present to be. Who am I? In the real sense. When Jesus started the ministry, that was the first thing that Jesus had to overcome, actually. It is Amazing revelation, actually. When gospel writers wrote about Jesus' life, first thing Jesus had to deal with was his identity. Nothing else. And when I discovered that, wow, this identity thing is a very serious matter. We are very confused with our own identity in many ways. We don't know who we are. That's why we are struggling so much in our lives. So when you look at the gospel, this is how it begins. It begins with Jesus' baptism. Jesus, when, then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and alighting on him, and the voice from heaven said, Listen, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. That is the conclusion of the baptism of Jesus. The conclusion was Jesus' identity. Who are you? You are my beloved son. That was what was revealed at the baptism, nothing else. Jesus' identity was established at the baptism, and that was the first thing God did in the ministry 
of Jesus Christ. That's how gospel writers saw. But right after that, there's a temptation story. But listen to temptation story very carefully. This temptation story is about Jesus' identity. It was not it was nothing like temptation you're thinking of. This temptation is a sto- story is about Jesus' identity. Let us look at it. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and uh, 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, he's already Son of God. Baptism already said that Jesus is the Son of God, and Satan is coming to Jesus and saying, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, again, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, again, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Then, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of of the world and their splendor, and he said to him, all these I'll give to you. If you will fall down and worship me, Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. Temptation was about Jesus' identity. Jesus is a son of God, and he was already revealed that he was son of God. But Satan kept asking Jesus, prove your identity. Prove your identity by doing all these fantastic things. Wow, that's revelation. That tells us a lot. God gave us the identity. The world asks us to prove your identity. Who said those were the criteria by which Jesus becomes the Son of God. It is what Satan made. It is what Satan made up. It is not what God wants from Jesus. That was what Satan made up. Because that is what all human beings, all fallen human beings want. These are what the world wants, and these are what human beings want So you do all those things that I'm telling you to do, then prove that you are the Son of God. Jesus never fell into that temptation. Jesus, at the end, said, worship God and serve him 
only. I'm not going to worship anything that you say. I'm going to worship only God. Nothing else. 90%, 99% fall into that temptation. To prove their identity. When was Jesus' identity finally revealed? Right in the beginning when God said at the baptism, you are my beloved son, and then right at the end, at the cross, Jesus' identity was revealed where? At the cross. Let us read that part. Now, when the centurion and those with him who were keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were terrified and said, truly, this man was God's son. Centurion, the Gentile, at the end. In the beginning, God said Jesus was son of God. At the end, centurion recognized the Roman, the Gentile, the world recognized that Jesus was God's son. Jesus was God's son, and he never tried to prove that he was God's son. His identity was revealed by Jesus being faithful to the cross. Not by proving it. That's shallow. Jesus was, did not try to prove his, who he was. He was just faithful to who he was. To the cross. That's why Jesus said, you want to follow me? Take up your cross and follow me. If you don't take up the cross, then you cannot follow me. You try to prove yourself and you try, uh, want to follow me? You can't follow me by trying, trying to prove yourself. You want to, prove your, uh, you, you want to uh, follow me? Take up the cross. Be faithful to who you are. This tells me a lot about how I'm supposed to live. Jesus was not influenced by what the world falsely expected of Jesus and from Jesus. That is strong man. Jesus is a strong man. He was not falsely influenced by what the world expected from him or for him. He was himself. The world tells you, be this. Then I will tell you, you are the son of God. Jesus said, no. To that. Jesus was just himself. And the whole story in the gospel is all about people accusing Jesus and disappointed with Jesus because they did not, Jesus did not meet the expectation of what they wanted. And ultimately, because of that, Jesus died on the cross. 
We are not that strong. We are easily influenced by what the world wants, either by having it or not having it and being envious of it. We can easily follow the false expectations of the world. They look good because the world says it's good. Because the world made it it's good. Made it look it's good. But it's not really good in a real way. But we say that it is good because the world says it is good. We are blinded. We are falsely blinded thinking that that is good. Instead of truly finding who we are, we are trying to define ourselves with what the world wants from us. My friends, don't define yourself by what the world measures measures you with. From there, all kinds of problems begin. If you try to follow what world, what the world expects from you, you start creating false selves. And then you stop being like a child. You become somebody else. You do not become who you are. We create fearful self, greedy self, and narcissistic Self. I'm going to reflect on these three things. Fear, greed, narcissism. These three things are what many people, most people, fall into. You will set wrong purpose, wrong direction, and you will get to wrong destiny. Fearful because we cannot meet the false expectations of the world. Greedy because you are lured by the glory of the uh, glory this world falsely promises. Narcissistic by trying to achieve what the world admires. They don't want to be like Gandhi. They want to be like Gandhi as a result. But they don't want to be Gandhi in the process. They don't want to be Martin Luther King. They want to be Martin Luther King at the end. They don't want to be Martin Luther King risking their lives by just following wrong expectations of the world. We become strange people. Become strange people. The other day, a person told me about his friend. I think this describes so well about the attitude of many people. His friend uh, uh, was a cancer survivor. Ten years, he had a cancer uh, ten years ago, and then he uh, got treatment, and then after ten years, it didn't recur. So he was really happy. 
and he realized how precious life is. Do you know what his conclusion was? Life is so precious, I will not think about anybody else now. I'm going to think about just myself. Because this is so precious, I don't want to waste my life worrying about or bothering with other people. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to live as I want. I'm going to live fully what I want to live. Wrong direction. Wrong purpose. Jesus said, you want to save your life? You lose it. You lose your life for gospel's sake, for truth, you will find it. You will save it. Many people live like that. You know, my life is precious. One life I have. Why do I have to bother with other people? I'm going to just live for myself and my family. As long as they're okay, I'm fine. Whatever happens in the world, that's not my business. Whatever happens to other people, that's not my business. Okay, I'll help as much as I can, you know, uh, just to relieve my conscience or uh, guilt or whatever. But beyond that, that's their problem. My problem is me and my family. Why bother with other people? You want to save your false self? You lose your real self. And those who gave up their false self for Jesus' sake will find true self. In Greek, life. Uh, There are two words for life. Zoe and suke, you can say. Uh, S-Y or suke. Zoe and suke. Zoe is kind of meaningful existence. Suke is mere survival. Are you going to live for mere survivor, survival, or are you going to live for meaningful existence? I think we should live meaningful existence. I don't want to live suke. Alone. Suki is good, but I want to live Zoe. Jesus said, I came to give you life, life abundant, and that is Zoe. That's what Jesus Christ came to give. Our journey is to have abundant uh, Zoe. Okay, great. So can we stand up a little bit? (laughs) I think some people are falling asleep. I talked about fear, greed, and narcissism. And the first thing uh, that we need to cultivate in our spiritual journey is trust. Trust is the best way to overcome uh, fear. When the Israelites were freed from Egypt and they took the journey to the promised land, And the first place they encountered was wilderness. 
And in the wilderness, what were they trained for? They were trained for trust. Do you trust me or not? God wanted to ask the Israelites, are you going to follow me by trusting me or are you going to not follow me? So trust was the biggest thing in the beginning to be trained with. They had to deal with the uncertainty of the future. When we don't know about future or tomorrow, that creates fear within us. When things are going okay, it's okay. You don't think about future. When things are going okay, what do you say to yourself? Ah, tomorrow will be the same. Tomorrow will be the same. When everything is going all right, you don't even think about tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow is exactly, it will be exactly the same as today. So you don't worry about tomorrow. Predictable. Tomorrow is, though, hidden to us. Our life is like that, whether we like it or not. People who go through difficulties, they realize that all of a sudden, tomorrow may not be the same as today. Next year may not be the same as this year. When everything's going okay, you automatically assume that tomorrow will be the same. But when things happen to you, all of a sudden, tomorrow becomes uncertain. You're not quite sure about what might happen tomorrow. So whether you accept it or not, whether you accept that tomorrow is hidden or not, tomorrow is hidden. It's the nature of life. People who came to the Bible study in South Carolina, would they have known what would happen to them the day before, like Tuesday evening? Tomorrow was hidden to them. Would they be able to protect themselves if they did anything better? No. Since we don't know about tomorrow, the fear is built within us. It is built in. Fear is part of us. There's nobody who lives without fear. Everybody lives with fear because fear is built in within us because tomorrow is hidden. We cannot get rid of fear because it is very much part of who we are. We don't need, but we don't need to let the fear paralyze us. Even though we cannot get rid of fear, we don't have to let fear control you, dominate you, and paralyze you. Let's say, because of what happened in South Carolina, if you don't go to the Bible study, or because of what happened in Boston if you, stop, if you stop running marathon 
or because of what happened in Virginia Tech, if you don't go to school, you're letting the fear trap you. Yes, life is precarious, and our tomorrow is uncertain and hidden. But instead of letting the fear control you and trap you, you need to face and overcome it by trust, by building trust in you. When you do spiritual journey intentionally, you will realize this thing, this wonderful thing. You realize that there is a mysterious power bigger than you that is controlling and guiding your life. You realize, you realize behind all you do, there is always, there has been always this power that has helped you, guide you to come to this point. As you do the spiritual journey intentionally, you realize that power. You're in connection with that power. You're, in, you're, you're, you're connected with that power. You sense it. You feel it. You recognize the hand of God who has guided you and led you. In our spiritual journey, we recognize that we are not walking alone. God is always walking with us. We realize that we do not shape our life, but our life is being shaped by the good will of God. And slowly, you become free from uh, fear and worries. Can you say to yourself, okay, from tomorrow, I'm not going to fear. Can you say that? Okay, from tomorrow, I decided, my friends, I decided not to worry. Can you do that? You know? I mean, from tomorrow, maybe you can say, I'm not going to smoke. Or from tomorrow, I'm not going to eat, uh, 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 the, 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 what is that? Bacon or whatever. Yeah, yeah, those things, at least you can say that. But from tomorrow, I'm not going to worry. Tomorrow, from, uh, tomorrow I'm, uh, I'm not going to fear. You can't do that. But somehow, as you do the spiritual journey intentionally, you don't have to fear. Worries disappear somehow in your life. Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow, and that became the reality in your life. That's a result of a spiritual journey. And wow, from when I started, uh, from when did I not start worrying about my life? If the road is blocked, then you say, go around. If there is no way, then you say, then you make the way. If there is, no, uh, there is an obstacle, then go over it. When the time comes, the door will be open. When the time comes, the road will appear for you. If you need it, God will give it to you. If you don't need it, God will take it away. There is a time to live, and there is time to die. There is time to have good time, and time 
to have rough time. Time to laugh and time to cry. When there is a storm, soon there will be sunshine. In all our circumstances, we simply trust that God will guide us. God, who began a good work, will bring it to completion in his time, not in my time. Why do you worry? As the song says, give yourself away. Give yourself away. Why worry? Just simply trust in God. God will take care of you, won't he? As he has taken care of you all this time. As God has given you all the good things all this time, won't God take care of you and guide you and lead you? Spiritual journey is a mysterious journey. You don't control it. You don't dictate it. You live it in God's hands. The song says, my life is not mine. It belongs to God. Give it away so that God can use you. It is a journey to experience the wonderful opening for you. Wonderful opening. And then when I was looking at Nolan, you have wonderful future. And that wonderful future will be open for you. And that is a message not just for Nolan, for all of you, and also for me. Wonderful future it will be open for all of us. Trust in God. At times, you may feel lost. At times, you don't see any future. Your future is bleak. Sometimes you feel hopeless. And then darkness really uh, covers you. And you don't see any good uh, future that is coming to you. But wait. We trust in God. That's what Israelites had to do. Even the very basic, simple stuff, they had to trust God. Like food. Do you worry about food? You don't worry about food, right? Too much food we worry about. (laughs) Too much food we worry about. But these these guys in the wilderness, they had to worry about food every day. And they're not supposed to uh, store it either. Next day, will God give us the food or not? And then food came. So they ate, thankfully. But they could not store it for themselves. And the next day, they 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 had to wait. Is God going to give me uh, food or not? That's how they lived. And then, at the end, they got tired of it. They got tired of trusting God. I want food whether I trust God or not. I want food in my storage. So they created golden calf. Instead of trusting God, they wanted to take care of their own future. Don't make that same mistake in your life. Learn and discipline yourself 
to learn to trust in God. In all circumstances, especially when crisis comes, good opportunity to train yourself to trust in God. Last time when uh, Grace and uh, Will uh, came uh, for Nolan's uh, baptism, uh, we had lunch together uh, in Chinese restaurant, and then uh, Will said this, uh, you know, uh, getting married to Grace and then having business in Boston and all these things. Uh, I realized that uh, there is a bigger hand uh, that is, has been helping me because I'm probably, I'm a minister. His father-in-law is a minister, so <laughs> he wanted to look good. Maybe he said that, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but he said that I don't know where you're doing lunch so oh that's very nice you know uh, <laughs> it's very nice and then uh, I mean uh, not, right now everything is going alright so he could say that but I hope that uh, he can say that even when things are bad because that's a spiritual journey when everything is going alright it's easy to say it yeah. but when difficulties difficult things come. Can I say that? That's a spiritual journey. If you are able to say that, even when difficult things come to you, then you are doing the spiritual journey. And I hope that all of you do a spiritual journey. There is a beautiful passage in Isaiah. I want to read it for you. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you're mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. How beautiful. How beautiful. That is truth. This is what Isaiah experienced. I hope that this is also truth for all of you. Meditate on it. I'll give you another passage from the New Testament. It's a Paul statement. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. This is one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. How strong. How strong. He was afflicted and perplexed and then persecuted, but he was able to stand through it. Another passage from Jesus. I have said this to you so that in me you may have peace. 
In the world, you face persecution, but take courage. I have conquered the world. Don't live your life with fear. Live with trust. Don't build fearful self and then do all kinds of stupid things to overcome your fear. Don't do that. You are creating false image. You are creating distorted image. And that distorted and false image will vanish in the end. In our journey, the second obstacle we will face is greed. We have to understand how greed operates. The nature of greed is insatiable. That's what greed is. It is insatiable. You can never satisfy your greed. Of course, we want good things in life. That is human nature. And it is good. But when you're obsessed with it, you become a slave of greed. And if you follow greed, your life will be ruined. Especially in this consumer-oriented society, we are surrounded by advertising pitches that we need something more, something better, something different. We don't need them. We want them. Even the pants that I wear right now is a boss. Boss pants. <laughs> I just wanted to show off what I'm wearing. <laughs> Nobody said anything, so <laughs> somebody gave it to me. So I think it was a cheap one, and I, I, I didn't wear it for about two years. And then one day, I, wow, this boss, I have to start wearing That's why it's a little bit long. <laughs> I didn't, uh, see, this consumer-oriented uh, society just uh, makes us very dissatisfied. Always complain. Our journey cannot be a journey of greed. That's a stupid journey. Journey of greed. That was not the journey of Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve. He came not to receive, but to give. Life of giving generally is much, much happier life than the life of receiving, my friends. Always find the opportunity to give rather than the opportunity to receive. Being greedy is the opposite of the journey of giving. What we need to cultivate within us is a spirit of contentment first. Spirit of contentment. We have to learn to accept our situations and not complain about it. Complainers, please know that you are having a problem. You don't have legitimate reason to complain. You have problem. Problem is not out there. Problem is you. 
So complainers, listen very carefully. Okay? You're identifying with that. Kicking each other. <laughs> Hitting each other. <laughs> Complaint is a very, very bad in our spiritual journey. Learn to be content. If you constantly compare yourself with others, you'll never be happy. There are always people smarter than you, prettier than you, whether you believe it or not. I'm going to talk about it, narcissism, at the end. but <laughs> And more powerful than you and more successful than you. You don't need to stick out to be important. You don't need to be the best of the best to be precious. Your identity is not determined by the performance in this world. The remedy of the problem of greed is to learn to be content. Real appreciation of what we have. Just walk around and look at the flowers and how beautiful. The air, how nice. The people around you, oh, how wonderful you are. Why don't you say that to each other? Eh? How wonderful you are. <laughs> say it. Yeah. How wonderful you are. How wonderful you are. Oh, nice, eh? The world will be much better place. Instead of continuously complaining about each other, we appreciate each other. This is what St. Paul said. I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. Doesn't matter the circumstances. I have learned the secret of being content. He is the one who did spiritual journey. When you do the spiritual journey, then you start having this thankfulness. Gratefulness. Thankfulness is part of the spiritual journey. Contentment. The spirit of contentment is a necessary tool to have for the meaningful spiritual journey. Then we can focus on giving. And always don't focus on receiving in your life. Always focus on giving. Find the opportunity to give. Your talents, your resources, your intelligence, if you're really, really, really beautiful, you're attractive, whatever, and your personality, <laughs> think about using it for other people. Think about using it in giving. Your life 
will come alive. The third thing you need to overcome is this, narcissism. The world is getting worse and worse with this narcissism. Cosmetic surgery in this world is just uh, going really, really bad. Just, I'm reading this book for this seminar uh, to understand a little bit uh, better about narcissism. The title is The Narcissism Epidemic, Living in the Age of Entitlement by Jean Twenge and Keith Campbell. They said in their book, People who are born after 70, raise your hand. Um, uh, women, you don't want to say that? <laughs> okay. It's not what I said. This is what the book says. <laughs> the people who are born after 70, they're affected by this culture shift of self-focus. And the trends accelerated in those born in the 80s and the 90s. So 70s, 80s, 90s, be careful about narcissism. Parenting became more indulgent. Celebrity worship grew and reality show, TV show, became a showcase of narcissistic people and very unhealthy. Narcissism is very unhealthy, uh, unhealthy to yourself and to other people. The internet allows people to have the possibility of instant fame and the look at me mentality. Narcissism magnified the false self to the extreme. That's what narcissism is. We examined Jesus' temptation in the beginning, and the narcissism is exact result of falling into all those temptations. It is exact opposite of Jesus' teaching. Extreme form of self-centeredness. Even the religion became a tool for their self-glory. I've seen some religious people very narcissistic. Instead of, I mean, they're they are saying that they're so religious, but they don't really care about others. They care about their own being religious. That's why being spiritual and being religious are two different things. They're not the same thing. You shouldn't be confused with those two. You can be quite self-centered while being religious like Pharisees in Jesus' time. People look for religious experiences, religious high. And St. John of the Cross, the mystic, says that is Spiritual lust. The more self-focused you are, the more bankrupt you'll become spiritually. That is not the journey to fullness. That is a journey to emptiness. 
by creating more false self, we cannot find ourselves. Rather, we lose ourselves. We lose joy, meaningfulness, and purpose. I said the journey has purpose, direction, and destiny. And our purpose cannot be myself. Our purpose cannot be myself. Then the destiny will be nothing. If you seek yourself, you lose it. But if you lose yourself for the truth, you'll find it. That is the truth. Listen to the truth. If you're obsessed, obsessed with your salvation, you lose your salvation. But if you don't think about salvation, but live a life of trusting, giving generously and serving, and give away yourself, then you'll find yourself. At the end, as the end, I will say what Dalai Lama said. This is what he said. I believe the purpose of all the major religious traditions is not to construct big temples on the outside, but to create temples of goodness and com compassion inside, in our hearts. In your life, do you build huge temple on the outside? Or do you build true temple in your heart, the temple of goodness and compassion inside you? That is the journey to fullness. Let us not forget who we are, why are we here, and where are we going? These three questions always ask. Who are we? Why are we here? And where are we going? Thank you.